What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of season three. Lots of threes. We're looking forward to talking today about activities, which are a big deal, and families all handle their children's activities differently. But before we dive into that, we should probably explain what might be happening today and why it might sound a little different, possibly. Yeah. So, um, you know, we did a whole episode on survival mode, as our listeners may recall, and what that means to go into survival mode as a family, and how does that change your future-focused mentality. Um, So my family's currently in survival mode. My husband's having back surgery tomorrow, and my daughter has pneumonia, which is a really fun combo um, (laughs) because my husband cannot help me with her because he can't go near her because if he gets sick, they'd have to reschedule his surgery, and he's all done with his back pain. So it's been really interesting. I'm really grateful my father lives with us. Like, I Mm. legit don't know how we would have done this without that help because he was able to go run a couple errands, and he was often able to tag team with me, Um, and my husband was kind of on Reese and, like, making his dinner, and everyone – she was quarantined. I mean, it's been – epic. The fact that we're even recording today is a miracle. Um, And we almost didn't. And then sort of she turned a corner and Reese went off to camp and we were (laughs) like, okay, let's do it. Um, So, but what you might hear, um, the mic, we have a very, very good microphone and it might pick up her watching an unbelievable amount of TV because part of survival mode at our house is let's just turn that thing on. Way more screen time Mm -hmm. than usual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And she was so sick. I mean, it was like that was all she could do was just like flop in front of the TV. So she is currently watching a show. She may also knock on the door. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Anything's possible today. Dave is home. He's working from home preparing for his surgery. So he we may hear him on a call. I mean, anything could happen today. So just to let our listeners know. But one of the things I did want to just say about this that came up for me when I was thinking about being in survival mode and how challenging that is as a future-focused parent. I think it's particularly challenging because you're aware that you can't be on your normal track. Mm-hmm. You're aware that you're it, – it can feel like falling down a little bit, especially like I feel it around the TV. It's like, you know, we're not an enormous TV family. We do watch it, but that's something I'm passionate about. And then she's watching literally all day long. And as a parent, you feel like all this guilt and shame yes. and – but here's what occurred to me yesterday. I think that it's it's really just that the future that you're focusing on changes. Because for the most part, what we talk about is focusing on the future of the adult that we're trying to raise. But when you go into survival mode, I think you're just focusing on getting back to your normal. And that's the future. And that mm-hmm. is a much smaller window. And what you need to get to that future is actually going to look very different than what you would need on a regular basis. And so that was really helpful for me, even as someone who promotes survival mode and says mm-hmm. it's okay. You know, I'm a human too. And I am influenced by our societal expectations and, and my own expectations of myself, you know, and I think it was helpful to kind of think of it that way, that it is still future focused. It's just a much nearer future, I hope. Oh, my gosh, please let it be a nearer future, please. (laughs) I can't even with this week. I mean, like, of course, why wouldn't she get pneumonia the same week as his like that? Why wouldn't she? Of course. That makes sense. But I will say one other thing, and that is that in the midst of I mean, this was really hard. It was a really hard week. And definitely it always takes me back to those feelings of 
postpartum when I was struggling mm-hmm. and just feeling like I couldn't do everything. I couldn't shoulder everything. But we were able to go to urgent care. She was diagnosed with pneumonia quickly. She got antibiotics quickly. My husband is getting his surgery tomorrow. Like we live in a situation in a first world country where these things are available to us. And it was just something I kept holding on to was like, I'm so grateful that we have that for her. I'm so grateful that we have this for him. I'm so grateful that we're in a position. And I know that not even everyone in our country is in that position. So I want to be clear about that. But I am just very, very grateful that we had access to those things. Yeah. And that all of that was even an option. Yeah. In the midst of the craziness. And if you haven't, I would really encourage our listeners to check out the survival mode episode because everyone's going to be there at some point, whether it is illness or even just getting your bearings back, maybe after a vacation where you were multiple time zones ahead, whatever it might be, grief in the family, a job loss, everyone goes there sometimes. And so having a good perspective on on survival mode and why it's actually okay mm-hmm. is important. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, let's talk about activities. Yeah, this is a big one. And it's kind of like cradle to college, right? Because early on, parents now are deciding from the time their their babies are infants, will they participate in a, a mommy and me class all the way through? Maybe you end up with a great athlete or a great musician. And how do you juggle all of that with making sure their school stay as a priority? How does your family view those things? What if family dinner is a value of yours? I mean, there's a lot, a lot here. So we can definitely start off with our whys and then at least share some of what we've seen done well or what we've done, even areas where maybe we fell down Mm -hmm. and hopefully give our listeners a jumping off point. Yeah. Well, so my why around activities was twofold. One, I wanted them to be balanced because I didn't feel growing up that mine were. That wasn't my parents' fault. That was my fault. Like, I just wasn't an athletic individual. And, and I think they gave up at a certain point. And, and whether they should have or not, I don't know. But um, I, I, I fight a hard fight. So um, <laughs> I can understand why. Um so, you know, I was always in the arts and I was always busy with that and in theater and, and crazy town theater. I mean, I was performing professionally from the age of 12. So I remember le- having to leave a school dance to go do a show. And I remember my parents pulling me out of school for matinees at the mm-hmm. fifth and, you know, all this stuff. So I wanted them to make sure that they were doing something creative and something physical. And my husband was the same. He wasn't as physical growing up. So the sort of mandatory physical thing was a part of of us. We knew our kids were going to lean creative just by the nature of their parents. And so we wanted to make sure that that there was balance there. But then the other thing that was important to me and, and is important to me is that there's downtime. I didn't want to be so scheduled that we're never home, we're never relaxing, we're never playing. I mean, even when I lived in London, Dave and I were going to theater three nights a week because, and that's not big fancy theater, like we were fringe theater. Our friends were always in something. So, you know, three nights a week we were seeing something. I was always carving out at least two nights a week for myself to just be home and relaxed and have that mental space. So I wanted to kind of teach that to my kids, that it's important to be active and it's important to pursue your interests and be involved Mm -hmm. in things. And then it's also really important to like take a breath, have some space and make sure that you're getting time to play. Yeah, that's a really, that's a great answer. I think for me, this is interesting that you've already said the word, and I think we talked about it in the one of the other episodes, I think that's yet to come out with working moms, especially moms who are out in the corporate environment, and that is balance. And interestingly, activities was kind of a trigger for me to think harder about this. And I don't 
really subscribe to trying to pursue balance. And I think part of it is when I think of balance, I think of the old fashioned scale and that both things are the same. Mm. And so for me, that isn't really what I wanted is everything to be of equal importance. I wanted there to purposely be, hey, the scale is tipped in the favor of family time and some time to do your homework. And that's right now your job is to be a student. And so school is your priority. And so I thought hard about this, but I where I will agree with you is the distribution. I really wanted my kids to take good care of their bodies, but also to nurture the artistic side. So we always required one athletic type activity and one art, artsy activity, whether it was visual art, performing art, et cetera. And I really have not been sorry about that. I, we did it all the way through. Well, now I have one who's finished with high school, and we at least did it through there. And then I really feel like in college, you've got to make those choices. This is about now being a young adult and deciding what are your interests and what will you pursue. But it was interesting for me to make sure that both got addressed because I wanted kids who were active, but I also wanted them to be creative and to be just nurturing all those areas. But without this idea of everything gets equal share. And I think we kind of fall into that even as parents sometimes. Oh, I have to have a work-life balance. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. It's fine for life to get the priority or whatever. So I think this partly comes from being a word nerd because I know what's meant by it isn't that, but I, I'm careful with my vernacular because words are important and they mean things. And so for me, it really was less about balance and more about let's enrich their lives. Let's have them be really full lives while there's still a heavier priority on these certain things if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I, I love that because, you know, we're still, we're really quite new in the activity world. You know, when they were tiny, activities were really for my sanity. It was like, <laughs> I didn't care if they learned how to tumble at Little Jim, <laughs> but I needed to get out of the house and take them and be like, here, take my children for an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really last year, or I guess the year before, because they just finished first grade, but so their kindergarten year was the first year that we were really looking at this, you know, you've got to go to school and <laughs> family dinners are very important to us and family time and all of that. And, and what does it look like? And with two kids, holy mo, I don't know right? how people do it with more because I, I just know from my own experience how busy I was with theater and I was just one kid. Mm. So trying to figure out, you know, okay, Reese is going here and Rhiannon's going there. And when are we all home? Um, and, and honestly, even if you have two kids who are each only in two activities, if they're on different days, you're looking at four days a week, mm -hmm. just right there. Yeah. And the other thing we're really struggling with is both Dave and I don't, I don't really play an instrument well enough to um, support our singing, which is was a real detriment when we were performing. Was We had friends who played piano. You'd get your music for an audition. They could mm. sit down and learn it. We would have to sort of seek someone out to play it yeah. for us. And so we're like, if either of them is going to be an actor, they have to know how to play the piano. So now we're throwing in an instrument. So you've got their interest in theater, which both mine have. You've got their physical activity. Now we're going to throw in an instrument. Hey, how about a foreign language? Because Rhiannon does Spanish after school. Um, you know, and, and then it just, it spirals. And so it's very tricky to figure out where you should be putting your time and your energy while still focusing on what matters most, which is school yeah. and family and all of that. And then you add to that, here's the other twist, is... What you don't want is for your kid to say, I don't know, decide at age nine they want to play soccer. 
Well, they're behind the eight ball because yeah. everybody else has been playing soccer since they were three. So now they don't feel good at it. It's a really complicated matter. And like I said, we're so early on in this that I think you have a lot more to offer our listeners today in terms of having done that whole trajectory. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? I mean, I can't say whether I really did this well. I think there's also kind of a, you mentioned this pressure of when do you start something? Because mm-hmm. what if they end up with a huge affinity for it? Or maybe a real talent at it, and now they feel behind. And the other thing I felt a lot of pressure about was having them try multiple things so they could find their thing and whatever that might be. And so I was like, well, what if they didn't try the thing that ended up becoming their true love? And But then it's a little bit – and this is probably going to happen the whole episode. I feel like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth because then I also had – myself, I'll admit, experienced a little bit of resentment and frustration when we tried something and spent money on it. And it was like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a winner. And then we're like, oh, did I just waste several hundred dollars and three months of my life? And I don't know. It. I think there's maybe no perfect way to do it, really. It's about getting to a place where you're comfortable. I love that you admitted that at the beginning, it's for you. I mean, totally. sanity, right? Have a break. But Also, there does come a point, probably in early elementary, where then the children have a voice in what they're interested in, and you want to be honoring of that while still holding your own family values around this. For instance, our value around doing both got some pushback as my kids got older. My son, who's really into acting, was like, why do I have to do a sport still? You know, and that was really hard to have to explain the value of that and stand by it. I had moments of going, maybe this is something I should just let go. And ultimately, I'm glad I didn't. But when they're old enough to have a voice and even really articulate some great reasoning for it, I think that gets harder too. Because you're like, wow, you have to, even as the parent, be like, yeah, good point. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the... The, the point you made is so great about if they if they haven't tried everything, what if they miss their thing? And then I also feel like part of the problem is so many activities offer different things. So like Rhiannon loves rock climbing. She's really good at it. It's great for her mental health as well. She gets a lot of clarity when she rock climbs. She's very like she's healthiest when she's in her body. But it's not a team sport. And team sports are so important, right? And for them to learn to work together and learn to lose as a team, like it might be someone else's fault that you lost and you Mm -hmm. have to get okay with that. When you're in an individual sport, all you've got is you. Sometimes that's a great thing. Sometimes that's not. But then if it's like, okay, so now you're going to rock climb and we need you in a team sport and you're taking Spanish and an instrument and, oh, you're actually interested in acting? Hmm. Well, where are we going to find time for that? Um, It's really easy to get caught up in in the crazy and, and I don't know how we're supposed to get clear, at least at this age, seven, eight, it's hard because they haven't kind of landed officially in their bucket yet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they will. Um, but I also really want to make sure that they're home. And, and one of the things that has been very helpful is having our family night on the calendar. So, like, we don't book things for Thursday night. There are no activities on Thursdays because... That's our family mm-hmm. night. Um, and so I think that's a helpful way perhaps to achieve that, um, not the balance, but whatever word you would call it. What would you call it? Not balance, but prioritization. Yeah, um, that's a good one. <laughs> is starting with, okay, our priorities are schoolwork, our priorities are family time, our priorities are family dinners or whatever. Get those on the calendar mm-hmm. and then book your activities around that. 
Yeah, you kind of have to do that. And we also were pretty intentional and also sometimes just lucky <laughs> to find activities where the coaches or the people leading them also really placed a strong priority on school. I think that was really helpful, especially as Sienna and Mark moved into maybe the middle school years where it would be a little bit tempting maybe to go do that thing you enjoy and let the homework sit on the back burner. And I was really grateful we had coaches and people leading theater productions who were always school comes first. And so I was able to feel comfortable sending an email if I needed to and saying, you know what, the homework's not done. It's going to be late or whatever. And and also, I love what you said about the team element, because that does impact other people. And so it teaches them, I think, about time management to know, wow, I've really got to come home and get going on homework because I have a rehearsal tonight. And it affects other people if I'm not there. Or if we knew it was maybe a can't miss activity, then it was, wow, it's unfortunate you're going to have a little bit of a late night with your homework because you can't just skip it, but it's going to have to get put somewhere else. So I think there's even value with activities in terms of learning efficiency and time management. How do I place all the things in my day and make sure all the important ones get done, know which ones can maybe be scooted off but still have to happen and which ones can maybe not happen? I I thought there was a lot of good learning there about decision making and even which we've talked about in the decision making and prioritization episode about you know, maybe I need to say no to this activity because these other things are going to take a lot of my time. Because you had mentioned earlier, and I do think this happens, I think it's happening earlier and earlier, but for sure it will happen as children get older, where maybe that thing you picked isn't only once a week. Oh, it's, that's already it's, happening. Okay, Where soccer's so, like three nights a week. And so you're there like, you go. Oh, oh, well, that's my life now. Right. Like, rain or shine. Exactly. That's a great, that's that's what starts to happen. So then the sheer number of activities has to shrink because maybe this one activity is multiple days, right? So there's a lot to think about. I can say that for us, at least when they were younger, we had the one athletic-y thing and the one artsy thing. And my rule was I tried to have them line up, meaning if they, even if they were doing different activities, we tried to have them on the same day. Mm-hmm. So I would rather have two busy days in my week and a day of nothing totally. than something every single day, even if it's only one thing. So that was something we worked hard to do. And I was, I was mostly able to, which really helped because something different for me about going, okay, tonight's crazy, but at least tomorrow is family Mm -hmm. time or we know that it's a down day. That helped me kind of get through. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, that makes that makes. I can look forward the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, that day has nothing (laughs) or just school or whatever. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. We have been and I I mean, this is probably not a great thing. It's worked really well and effectively for our family. And it won't last forever just by the nature of, of the situation. But with twins, one of the beautiful things you can do is sign them up for the same activity. Oh, <laughs> We've done that a couple yeah. times where we're like, no, you're both playing soccer on the same team. <laughs> and then we go as a family and it actually almost becomes a family experience and a part of family time. It's like we're all going to the soccer game this morning. Um, so we've done we've done that several times, but then tried to really listen to when one is like, I don't want to play or this isn't my mm-hmm. thing, you know, to, to say, OK, we're going to pull you out and, and find the thing that you're going to do. But, yeah, it's a it's a constant juggling act. And I would imagine as homework gets more intense. And also their interests get more intense, right? Look at theater. Theater is a great example. Yeah. Theater is not one night a week. No. Right? <laughs> no, no. You know? So, I mean, bless my parents. I have these 
vivid recollections of them just driving, you know, 10, 20 miles in traffic four or five nights a week to get me to rehearsals. We'd all get home at 11 o'clock at night. I mean, I I love my kids, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm sure I'll be willing to do it when the time comes. But it's it's a lot. I mean, their activities really become your activities too. Um, and then it begs the question of how do you – how do you also then find the room for your own stuff mm-hmm. in there, especially for working moms, right, mm-hmm. um, and working parents? So, yeah, it's a it's a really big, big and important topic. Yeah, it is. And I, I think all the parents who've done it, or I know myself as an adult child now, I feel more grateful to my parents than I probably did at the time because oh, yeah. the same thing for me. I was a competitive gymnast, That's which right. is not a small it's, – it's a tall order because – the practices to get all your events in. My practices were three and a half hours a night. And so very similar probably to more like when you're getting really into rehearsals for a mm-hmm. show. And I, I I can't even imagine because we lived in West Seattle and my mom drove to Federal Way, which for those of you in the Puget Sound, you'll know, but it's a good 45-minute drive. And then I really didn't like to be watched. It was kind of one of my eccentricities. <laughs> there so were many. just go away, Mom. Thanks yeah. for the ride. <laughs> but I think what was great and where I'm really proud of her is two things that she did that I was really impressed with and have not forgotten is we still had family dinner. It was just at like 830 at night. Okay. And then the second one is she's like, well, you don't want me to watch you anyway. And frankly, I've seen enough gymnastics. I mean, I did this for nine years. So she sat in the car and did her Bible study mm. or brought books. She would talk, maybe call a friend. So she was like, I have three and a half hours. I'm going to do some things that I want to do with that time rather than just sit in the gym. And I th- I commend her for that because that's hard to do sometimes to put yourself first when you feel like, oh, I probably should be watching. And I think there again, there's another yet another arena in activities for mom guilt. Like mm-hmm. maybe don't have to watch all the stuff. I've actually been really thankful. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, Mark. I love you. But I've been really thankful that the studio Mark is acting with does closed rehearsals. I'm like, no pressure. I don't have to watch. I can't watch. And it's yeah. kind of great. And I will admit it is fun. Then the show is a surprise. Mm-hmm. But I... I, it's taken off some pressure, to be honest. I, well, and I think it comes back to what we talked about in the Mom with a Capital M episode. Like, if you're the kind that wants to watch, that fills your bucket, you want to be there, then that's a great opportunity mm-hmm. for you to fill up your mom bucket. But if it's like, that doesn't fill up my mom bucket, then it is important for you to take that time and figure out, how am I going to restructure this day and get creative with my problem solving, basically, so that we can still eat together. We yes. can still get the things done that need to be done. And that might mean that dinner's later or dinner's in the car. One of the things I know you've done that I love is, you know, reclaimed your time in the car. Mm-hmm. And that's important, too. Like, we have to look at, okay, if we're running around and doing all these different activities, with those gaps of time traveling down there while I'm waiting, what does that time look like? How can I be creative with that time so that it's meaningful instead of just at this blank, empty space? And now how do I fit everything else in? Yeah, that's been really kind of lovely. And I will say now that my oldest is driving, I've missed it. Because we would talk in the car or we'd play games. We do. We just did this on a road trip this weekend, actually. We did like the would you rather mm-hmm. type questions or the either or. And that really helped because then it was, oh, we're still having interaction. Another distinction I made was in sports and activities where there was a competitive element, 
I didn't go to practices and rehearsals. I would watch the show or the game. And in things where there wasn't, for instance, both of my kids did recreational gymnastics. Mm -hmm. I watched the classes because Mm -hmm. they weren't competing. So there wasn't a meet to go to. So I just go watch them do their class. But again, I signed them up for the same day with like a 15 minute overlap. So we were there for a couple hours, but they both went on the same night. Because I think the other challenge we at least came across as they got older And who knows, in our society, I mean, maybe some of this will go away, but things start to be divided by gender, too. So I I was not able to always sign them up for the same thing once they got to a certain point. It was like, there's the girls' team and the boys' team. And so then... By definition, I'm I'm doing two now. So a lot of that gets really hard. But yeah, the car time is huge. And then just having that personal rule for myself that if there's a performance, I'm going to that. If there's not, I'll come watch the class or the practice. Yeah, I think that makes so, so much sense. And reclaiming that time in the car, making it special because it mm-hmm. is your time of connection. I know some of our biggest questions happen in the car, some of the most meaningful discussions happen there. So really kind of seeing that as, yes, we're shuffling off to this activity, but how can we use that as a time of of connecting? And I remember seeing this, I think I read this article or a quote or I don't know something, but it said something to the effect of all children really need is to see their parents delight in them. And I love that idea because when you go to that performance or you go to that game or whatever it is, just delighting in them, letting them see your delight at their work that they're doing, that the effort they're putting in and how important that is. And so really using those activities as an opportunity to give them that delight and and setting the boundaries you need to be able to still actually be delighted. (laughs) Yes, please still be delighted or they will sense the insincerity. Exactly, exactly. You might have to be sneaky too. I noticed my parents got really good at this because I didn't like to be watched. And what really made me sad is I was – word nerd even back then. So I was in spelling bees and I'll never forget the day my dad picked me up from this multi-state spelling bee tournament and I got in the car and I was like, I won. And he was like, didn't believe me because he hadn't seen it with his own. He's like, really? Are you just messing with me? And I was like, no, really? And then at the awards ceremony, he saw that it was true. But so after that, I tried to get better, but I would find out later that they would find strategic places to watch my gymnastics meets, like in some corner of the gym. And then it kind of made me sad. So Thankfully, my kids are great about having me come. They like me to come. But I'm very sensitive to that, having been a kid who didn't like it. I'm like, are you sure? Mm -hmm. Would it be better if I didn't? And so the few times that I've had a child say, please don't come to this, I don't. Mm -hmm. And even though that's hard, I really respect. I mean, I know my parents tried to sneak some peeks, but overall, they really honored that. And so I try to do the same because I'm sensitive to it as someone who didn't like that. I actually do better with strangers watching me than people I know. Yeah, I'm the same, actually. Like, I mean, I was a professional singer, and I hate karaoke. Mm. It's so stressful to be with friends. Like, okay, professional singer, start singing. You know, it's like that just does my head in. But being room full of strangers, no problem. Totally different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I I, I do think it comes back to that. It's It's a little bit of a dance, right? We have to take our kids' views on their performing, whether that's Mm -hmm. athletics or performing itself or whatever you want to call it, we have to take their views into consideration because they're the one out there doing the thing. And we also have to take into account that what we talked about in that opening episode of if it's like for me, it's really meaningful to watch. I like to see. Um, So that balance of what's most important is that they're getting what they need because they're the one doing the thing. But I love that your parents kind of found a way to do it 
without you knowing so yeah. that they filled their parent bucket a little yeah. bit. I mean, how sad for your daddy didn't get to see you win the spelling bee. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I think, yeah, finding finding that balance but prioritizing what your kids are asking of you um, is, is really important. And then I, I think there's room here to just say I'm curious your thoughts on this because both your kids um, – especially Sienna, were competitive. I mean, she's a competitive athlete, right? And Mark, too. Um, where do you think that fine line is around the competitive piece? Because I see some parents, like we were just, oh my gosh, we were just on the soccer team. My kids are seven. I'll just remind our listeners. Mm-hmm. They are seven-year-old soccer players, okay? And they are not elite. Like, they're they're lovely and delightful, but they're, they're Dave's and my children, okay? So um, they, seven-year-old soccer team, like a, a just a random team thrown together, or some friends of ours were on, and the coach of these seven-year-olds was a very competitive, nice guy, super nice guy, but he played to win. Mm-hmm. And so what that meant was that all the kids who were really good and had like natural skill played the whole game, and he would just like rotate out in this one spot the weaker players, which means that the weaker players aren't getting an opportunity to, to practice get better their skills. Uh huh. And at one point, there was one really important game. Um, it was the semifinals of the seven-year-old soccer team. Um, and he actually played a sibling because they happened to have a great skill set, even though they weren't on the team. Put a sibling into the game because he wanted to win. And I was assertive being my natural self and went up and I was like, excuse me, can you help me understand why we're having a sibling play today? Oh, we were short some players. Are we? Because I see three of our players sitting on the sidelines not playing. It looks to me like you might be trying to win instead of giving our kids the opportunity to learn. And he shut it down and pulled the sibling. All of that is to say there are some parents that, and I'm sure parents who are listening, that maybe they're athletes themselves or, Mm -hmm. you know, and so how do we walk that line of, I want my kid to be the best or I want my kid to be their best and, Mm -hmm. and like, it's a seven-year-old soccer game, you know, and it eventually it won't be a seven-year-old soccer game. It'll be actually an important soccer game where scouts are coming or whatever. So I'm curious how you... I have a couple thoughts. (laughs) One is, this is where I will be honest that I've enjoyed, and again, I didn't have a say in this. Eventually they had a voice and ended up in things like this. So it's not like I steered it to this direction, but I've been glad I've ended up with kids in a sport where there's a team element. They do track and field, but there's also an individual element. So I was able to kind of channel that into really you're competing against yourself. Did you throw farther? Did you run faster and go there? That's been helpful. But there's another piece here, and that is paying attention to your kids' personalities because some kids are not competitive, and that isn't the big deal to them. And other kids, like, they're if they don't win, it was a terrible day. And I kind of have one of each, and I'm not going to say who's who, but it was really tricky to navigate and explain where the importance lies because to one of my children, it is really important that they're always the best, and so – There was a lot of emotional coaching around what happens on the day that you weren't. And then for another one, there was an attitude of like, as long as I'm continually improving, it's great. So I I really tried to foster that one. Personal development, personal improvement. How are you growing in character? What can this competitive 
sport maybe teach you or competitive activity because they aren't always just sports Mm -mm. what other things can it teach you can it teach you about taking turns can it teach you about developing a different skill set can it teach you about waiting and patience can it teach you about hard work that sometimes you are going to get out what you put in and let's look at what you put in hmm I mean they're old enough that I could do that (laughs) so but Definitely, I think it's it's a lot about knowing your people and paying attention to that because for some of them it won't matter. And it's emphasizing the individual growth piece. I, I Yes, sometimes you can make a mistake that will hurt your team. I've done it myself. My kids know the story. It was devastating. It was in the state track meet. I didn't pass the baton in the zone in our relay, and we were disqualified. And it was my fault. Ugh. And so uh, that is ouchy. And so we talk about those times where there is maybe a personal failure, but it has a team impact, but that we can't get so caught up in yeah. just the winning or losing because there's growth that happens outside of that that is sometimes way better. Well, uh, and I think teaching our kids, and this is something I am personally constantly working on myself, what it means to sit with failure and let it be okay. Like, that means you're going to feel yucky. It doesn't mean, like, I'm going to feel hunky-dory about this. It means I'm going to feel yucky, and I'm going to sit here in this yuckiness, and I'm going to go, okay, I can't change it. I'm in the yuck. What do I do moving forward? How do I learn and grow? Mm -hmm. What happens next? And that is a, man, that's a life skill. It is an an absolute life skill skill because you don't want to just sweep those feelings away either. They're important, and they're there for a reason. It does feel yucky to lose or not, or even if you just know you didn't do your best. But I think also there's a resilience and a character that can be developed from then still finding the good. Like we talked about in the gratitude episode, can you find something to be thankful for? Literally, mom brag alert. But just recently, Sienna's very last track meet, she broke the school record. Well, guess what? She didn't make it to state. But she said, I've never been so happy with fifth place in my life because she had this other achievement that for her is a bigger deal anyway it's leaving a legacy now that record will stand until somebody else breaks it and so I think there's character there and being able to say yeah I'm disappointed I didn't make it to state in my senior year but I did this other thing and can I be glad about that Mm -hmm. can I look at that growth and development and that achievement and sometimes it's not going to be a big achievement like a school record but I think there's a skill that we teach our kids about feel all the feelings that are there but can we find what went well or what can I do better next time even maybe Mm -hmm. maybe this one wasn't great Mm -hmm. but what can I do what can I learn from that so I can do better going forward that is a life lesson that long after the sport is gone, because let's be honest, most of our kids will not go on to become professional athletes or even professional whatever, fill in the blank, that skill will carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say to my kids, we we feel our feelings for the purpose of moving back to joy. That's how we get back to joy. We feel our feelings, but we're aiming back toward joy. Yeah. Um, so thank you, everyone, for being with us today and putting up with what I'm guessing you heard was coughing my daughter talking and a garbage truck. So it's been it's been a day. Um, but I thank you for being with us and being patient with us um, and my survival mode. And we hope that you got some interesting insights in, in future activity planning for you and your family. Well, and I'm going to be eager to hear all the great updates on the next episode that hopefully your husband is on the mend and your daughter is 100% feeling great because that is hard stuff. So kudos to you for even still recording in the midst of all that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much.
If you have any questions or you want to reach out, you know we love to hear from you. Info at futurefocusedparenting.com. You can follow us at Future Focused Parenting or at Raising Adults Podcast. And for those of you that aren't watching our video today, don't forget you can now watch these episodes and they include those bloopers. Uh, You can watch (laughs) them on our YouTube channel, which is also Future Focused Parenting. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in my laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>